as we're talking about Thanksgiving and we preface this conversation with thankful for our staff and thankful for our team and, and thankful for, for all the sacrifices that are made in this church. And if, if you're a guest here and you're thinking, boy, what a crazy Sunday to be here. Actually, it's not. It's a great Sunday for you to be here. And the reason is you get to see what kind of community is being birthed here in this city. We are passionate about what God wants to do right here. We're passionate about letting people go and encouraging them and pushing them out. And that means that people are going to leave this house and they're going to plant more churches. It also means people are going to follow their dreams of what God's put in their heart and they're going to go write music. And some people are going to go start businesses. Hopefully some of you do that right here. You're not all leaving to go to different cities. Selfishly. But you need to know we believe in a big God. And we believe he's breathing in this community, our young church, and he's doing great things. Amen. Let's do this. Uh, turn to Matthew chapter 4. I'm going to pray for us this morning. But before I do, I, I want to just mention, you know, the title of the series is Changing the Rules of Monopoly. And over the last two weeks, we've talked about generosity, and there's nothing more divisive in a church than somebody standing on a stage and talking about giving or talking about money, right? Nobody wants to be a first-time guest at a church, and you come on the Sunday where the pastor comes and starts talking about money. But I want you to hear this. Our culture has embraced this philosophy, much like Monopoly, where you just need to get, 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 get. And if you finally get to somehow this imaginary place of having, then you'll be content and you'll be happy and you'll be able to be generous. But that actually isn't true because generosity really doesn't begin with what you have. It begins with your heart. I want to hit pause on that today. And I want, I want to talk about something that maybe we should talk about more. We talk about it in life groups and we pray about it in life groups. But church, the reality is that we're not large enough to where there's all of these, you know, where there's hundreds of people and somehow we're unaware of things that are happening in the lives of the church. I mean, we're small enough right now where people generally know each other. And, and as we grow, that will change, and that might be hard for some of you, but that is the reality of, uh, of churches that grow a little bit is you've got to work a little bit harder to make sure that you're maintaining community with people. But as we're praying and as we're talking and as I'm preaching, and Pastor Jason was preaching, there are stories and there are situations and there are environments that are coming up and I'm hearing and I can tell. Helen, I know that sometimes what we need is just some good old-fashioned spiritual breakthrough. And sometimes as we talk about being generous and as we talk about our hearts and as we talk about this God who desires for us to give, Sometimes what we need, like Monopoly, sometimes you just need to pass go and get 200 bucks. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes we just, we need God to just break something open. 
Sometimes we need that with our health. Sometimes we need it financially. Sometimes we need it in our marriages. Sometimes we need it in our parenting. We just need a miracle moment. We need God to break through. And I desperately, as your pastor, do not want you to hear us talking on this stage about generosity without you understanding that the reason we believe that we can be generous in all things is because we serve a God who is generous in all things. He is the God of giving. He is the God of generosity. He knows, he sees, he cares. So we're going to do something a little bit different this morning. It's rather than talking about you growing in generosity, I want to remind you of the one who defines generosity out of who he is in the very first place. Does that make sense, church? Father, be with us this morning. God, some of us just need you to move powerfully right now in our lives. God, even as we sit here in, in, our, in this cafeteria, God, we're overwhelmed by emotion. God, we just, we need, we need you, Lord. We need you to do what only you can do. Amen. <clears throat> Matthew 4, 23 through 25. Can we remind ourselves this morning what kind of Jesus we serve? Can we do that? I'm going to read the Bible today. I'm going to tell less stories than I normally do. I'm going to read account after account so that you and I are reminded and encouraged in our faith as to who this God is that we come and sing and preach and teach and gather around and do for and worship and give and all of these things that we do in Christendom. Sometimes we just need to be reminded of the character of the God that we serve. Matthew chapter 4, 23 through 25 says that Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Every disease. Like every one of them. News about him spread all over Syria. And people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases. Those suffering severe pain, the possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed, and he he healed them. I want to remind you this morning that Jesus was generous to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. That's what Jesus did. And yet as I read that this week afresh, something stood out to me. I've probably read this passage in the scriptures, and I'm not trying to brag. But I've probably read Matthew 5 thousands of times. I mean, anybody can get through the first five chapters. It's when you get to, like, Matthew 20, you start running out of gas, right? So, you know, the earlier chapters you've probably read maybe a few more times than, than the back chapters. You tracking with me? You know, January's going to hit. You're going to be like, Matthew chapter 1, here we go. And then oftentimes you start to sputter out. Matthew 5. 
And this is what the scriptures teach us. Jesus was generous to heal every kind of disease and sickness. But you know what I've never noticed before is that Jesus, he didn't just heal disease. And he didn't just heal sickness. The Bible says that people were brought to him who were in pain. And he healed them. Those who were in pain. Sometimes when we think about God moving and we ask Him to move, we don't want to bother Him, right? Because our need isn't big enough. It somehow doesn't make the list of, of, of the things that God should be spending His time doing. And I want you to know that Jesus cared and noticed and was compassionate towards those who were diseased and those who were sick and those who needed healing and those who simply were in pain. And he met them right where they were. And you might be here today, and maybe it's physical pain, and you need God to move in your life. Maybe it's a sickness or a disease, and you need breakthrough. But I want you to hear that if physical pain moves the heart of Jesus, you know what else does? Emotional pain. Jesus cares. And that's the kind of God that we serve. Some of the most powerful stories that I have ever heard in my life, I've seen and heard some unbelievable moments. I've seen some things where people are prayed for and, and all of a sudden they get up or they start doing or, or they come back and say, this is what happened. The x-ray was this. Now the x-ray shows this. Look what God did. That is unbelievable. Well, it's not unbelievable. It's believable because that's who the God that we serve that's his character. But some of the most amazing stories also aren't just the x-ray healings. It's those who are on bondage on the inside. And God sets free. And he heals you. And you're able to forgive for the first time. You're able to let go. You're able to, to grow again. You're able to be free. Jesus is moved by those who are in pain. Matthew 8, 14 through 17 says that when Jesus came into Peter's house, Peter being one of his right-hand guys, his disciples, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her and she got up and began to wait on him. When evening came, many who were possessed were brought to him and he drove out spirits with a word and he healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was, fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah, that he took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. You see, Jesus is interested in healing pain, severe pain, small pain. He's interested in healing disease and sickness. He's interested in moving in the lives of his people in really big ways. But you know what else he cares about? Something as simple as a fever. We don't know this was some life-threatening thing. She was sick. And Jesus went to one of his disciples' homes who he loved. He walked in. He found her, her mom, his mom lying in bed because she didn't feel well. And he healed her. And I know as a parent, I, I have kids that will get sick. And you know what sometimes I don't even think to do? Is pray about it. Oh, God doesn't want to be. It's a common cold. 
God doesn't really need that. He doesn't care about that. Their immune system will kick in, and it'll take care of it. God cares about a fever. He's in the details. Jesus is in the details of your life. It doesn't matter how big those details are or how small or insignificant they feel to you. Jesus cares. Every time I say cares, anybody watch Care Bears when they, when they were growing up? <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why. I just, confession, I don't know what it was. When I was preparing the message, it didn't come across this way to me, but somehow in that moment when I said cares, I had that, that feeling of all the Care Bears like holding together and, you know, they're, they're shining their deal and, okay, Sorry. I'll stop now. It's my bad. It's my bad. I was an 80s child. Forgive me. Matthew 15, 29 through 32. Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee, and then he went up on a mountainside and sat down. Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and they were laid at his feet. And he healed them. People were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, and the crippled made well, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they praised the God of Israel. And Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They've been with me three days, and they have nothing to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry, or they may collapse on the way. If you remember the, 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 the miracle here, Jesus, he does a miracle with fishes and loaves, and he feeds thousands of people. He performs a miracle. Why? Simply because they were hungry, and they were in need. You see, we serve a God who shows compassion towards the needs of everyday people. And so when we talk about being generous, uh, hear me. We can be generous because we serve a God that is generous. I would be amiss if I stood up here and said, we don't need you to be generous in our church. Well, yes, we actually do. Our church needs your actual physical generosity in your time, in your energy, with your sweat, with your giving. Our community needs your generosity in that you would devote time for them and pray for them and give to them and give of your very best to them. But if we don't hear that connected to a God who is in fact generous and gives us the strength and power to be generous, then it can feel like we are trying to draw water out of an empty well. And so this morning, I'm backing up, the we're rewinding the tape just a minute. Because before we are compelled by the Spirit of God to be generous, we've got to know something about the God that we serve. That He's interested in the details of your life. That He is compassionate towards the needs of His people. That He is a healing God, a restoring God. God. That's who he is. 
I'm going to share a personal testimony. I didn't grow up in a church that prayed for God to move in these kinds of ways. Not really. Every once in a while we saw a moment. But it just wasn't, I, I, this is not a wrist-slapping moment for my church growing up. I, I learned to love the Lord, you know, in my church that I grew up in. But, you know, we, we weren't necessarily looking or expecting God to still move this way. And I will tell you that when I was in college, a series of dramatic experiences where I just encountering God in different ways and having friends who believe differently. And all of a sudden, you know, when you're willing to pray and you're willing to believe and extend a little faith, it's amazing what happens when you choose to trust God differently. But about two years ago, year and a half ago-ish, you know, we had a big outreach at my house with college students. There was about Probably about 100 students there, or 70, 80 students there. I, I don't even remember the exact amount, but there was a lot of college students inside my house and in my backyard. And we were playing Frisbee, and you know, because I'm 35, and you know, you're, my, my body doesn't quite do all the things that it used to do when I was 25 or when I was 15, and I grabbed that Frisbee, and I was going to show them who was ball. I played Frisbee. And I torqued that thing so hard. I mean, I ripped that thing like a shotgun. And you could hear the explosion in my loader back. And I blew out a disc right then. My back started swelling. I literally, you know, couldn't move. I was in extraordinary pain. I called. I had an emergency chiropractic visit the next morning. And they did the whole x-ray thing. And, I mean, sure enough, look, here's where, here's where it is. This is bad shape. If this doesn't get ready, you're going to have to have surgery. And I went home, and I'm doing all the things that they're telling me to do. And I, I want you guys, hear me with grace. If you've never had back problems, you've never experienced neck or back pain, I want you to know there is very little like it. It is excruciating. You can't get comfortable. You can't pick up your kids. You can't play with them the way you want to play with them. You can't do the things that you want. I was immobilized. I literally had to sleep when I did perpendicular on my bed. As in like Amy would be laying normal and I'm laying sideways so that my legs would hang off the bed and it would release pressure on my lower back. Nobody in the church even knew this. This went on for months. And I would stand here, I would sit before service, I'd stand up and preach, and then I would immediately go home and lay down. And then we had life group. And we're sitting here in our life group and we're talking and somehow we're, we're reminded of the God that we serve and like a dope. I mean, I've had people pray, but we didn't really have people pray. So my life group literally just got around me and they, we did what the Bible says and we, people laid hands on me and began to pray and I, I didn't fall on the ground. I didn't flop around like a fish. I, you know, the, the heaven didn't open. A dove didn't come and descend on my shoulder. You know, I didn't hear a voice. This is my son who I am well pleased with, be healed. 
No, none of that happened. Yet I can tell you right now, I went to bed, I slept a normal night, I got up, and I have been healed ever since. And I, the doctor called and they said, why aren't you coming in anymore? And I, and I said, I, I feel great. And they said, well, your x-ray shows this. So we went in and I, and the, well, well, we can't really, well, you're right. I know I'm right. People prayed for me, and I'm telling you, as God is my witness, God did this. And I want you to hear me, church. Sometimes in the course of just being American Christians, and yes, I love our nation. I love our country. I bleed red, white, and blue after I bleed Jesus. Okay? I love the nation that we're a part of, but one of the things that we can fall into the trap of is providing and doing and, and pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We pride ourselves on our ingenuity. If I just said that right? We pride ourselves on our inventiveness, our creativeness, our ability to do in our own strength. And Jesus reminds us that it's when we're weak that he is strong. And I'm, I want you to, to be reminded this morning. I watched a video, literally, of one of our churches in, uh, I believe it was London. Uh, one, our pastors whose son fell out of the upper story window. Had to go to the hospital, had fractures, had broken bones the whole nine yards. They weren't sure what was going to happen. The church prays, they lay hands, and I, God as my witness, they're literally sharing this on Facebook. Here's what our son was, here are the x-rays, and this is what happened to him. The church prayed, the church trusted, the church believed, and God healed We cannot be the kind of people who want to clap our hands and worship and pray and then go out and try to do life in our own strength. That is not the life that God has called us to. He is a God of breakthrough. Sometimes that is physical. Sometimes that is financial. Sometimes that is just flat out relational. He is a God who breaks through. Jesus says in Matthew 11, Come to me all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle. And I'm humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. See, we're talking about breakthrough. and We're talking about our needs as a people. And sometimes what you need is just flat out rest. But Jesus is generous in everything. 
There's not a thing that he's not generous in or generous with. Even so much so that he's generous in providing for the needs of his people, literal food. And he's generous in people who are weary of soul. John 3.16 says that God so loved the world, the most, most commonly quoted verse in all of the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. See, before we know God, before we have a true relationship with him, here's what we know about him. He's a giver. And he gave Jesus. For God so loved who? You and me. I can't even wrap my head around it. There's no height, no depth, no amount of to the left, no amount to the right, no amount of sin or depravity, no amount of despair. That's so great that God's love cannot penetrate straight to your heart. What do you need the God of breakthrough to do? What is your need today? Because the Bible reminds us again, James, the the younger brother of Jesus, the one who was late to faith. When Jesus was alive, he was not a believer. He did not put his faith in him. But Jesus, when he rose from the dead, and he proved and showed that not only was he victorious over sin, but he was victorious over death. And if he was victorious over death, what is there that he is not victorious over? And James, his younger brother, is struck by the reality that Jesus is, in fact, the son of the living God. And he writes in James 5, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them. Anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. Because the Lord will raise them up. If they've sinned, they'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. Because the prayer of a righteous person is powerful. And it is effective. What do you need the God of heaven and earth to do? Where do you need his generosity today? The giver of good gifts, the the giver of perfect gifts from heaven. What do you need of him today? Do you need breakthrough? I need a job. I need a raise. 
I don't know how. I, I don't know where. I, I need breakthrough. There's just not enough coming in. You say, I'm tired. I've just been, I've been fighting so much in my life, and I'm, I'm just, I'm weary in my soul. I need God to give me supernatural rest right now. I need breakthrough. Say, I've been sick. I, I, I've been under the weather over and over again. Or I've got a chronic thing or a disease here. And I'm asking for God to heal me. I need breakthrough. You see, my, my, my home life has just not been in the right shape. It's been difficult. I've been strained at home. My husband and wife were fighting or parenting. My children has just felt like a disaster. What do I need? God, I need you. I need you, Lord. I need breakthrough. I've got great news for you today. serve a God of breakthrough. Raise your hand if you need God to break through something specific in your life this morning. It's okay if you don't. Maybe things are going great. Keep them up for a second. It's a lot of hands. Okay, you can put them down. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. We're going to get old school this morning. Here's what I want you to do. We're about to empty about 90% of these seats right now. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand up. If you need, if you need God to break through in your life, don't feel embarrassed, don't feel ashamed. I'm gonna put myself in this crowd. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to just make your way down here right now. What well, Pastor Wes is just playing the keys, come on down. I'm going to invite some people to come and pray with you. And some of the people that are praying for you need breakthrough in their own life. Go ahead, spread it out. Spread it out. It's a lot. More than even I anticipated. We can make layers. We can, we can go too deep. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to do business today. Here's what we do. We serve a God who's a God of breakthrough. And so we're just going to pray. I'm going to pray for all of us right here. But then there are people who I've asked to just be available to pray. And I don't, don't feel uncomfortable if someone comes to you and they're going to ask you what you need. And then they're just going to pray with you. And if you need to cry, cry. If you need to raise your hand, raise your hand. I know we don't always do this each Sunday, but we're doing it this Sunday. If you're sitting in the seats and you feel inclined and bold enough to come and pray for somebody, then I'm inviting you to do that very thing. But I'm going to pray for us, and then I'm going to shut my mic off for a second, and I'm just going to move my way down this line. I'm just going to pray with you. And I'm going to get some prayer, too, at the end. Amen. Father, would you be with us right now? God, we thank you that you are no respecter of people. 
God, that it doesn't matter what our past has looked like. It doesn't matter where we are right in this moment regarding where we are with you. We thank you that on a, in a moment you can, you can move powerfully, God. You can heal. You can change. You can shift. You are the God of breakthrough, Lord. God, move in this place this morning. Move right here. Move right now. God, heal the sick. Lord, move in our relationships. Break through in our finances. Break through in our jobs, God. Lord, we thank you that you are a miracle-working, breaking-through kind of God, and we trust you this morning. So we're going to do. Wes is going to continue to play. I'm going to turn my microphone off. If you want to pray for each other, there's a lot of people up here right now. And so we might need to even turn and pray for one person's need, and then you turn and pray for them. Be bold. Don't be worried about what's coming out of your mouth. Pray and ask God today. If you're sitting in our in the seats and you're not up here and, you know, service is about to end technically in this moment. But I invite you to stay. I invite you to pray. I invite you to pray from your seat right now. Amen. Let's get about the business of our Heavenly Father. And let's pray.